are listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby with your word for today. And I want to begin uh, with today's gospel, which is taken from Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him and he stayed by the lakeside. Then one of the synagogue officials came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him fell at his feet and pleaded with him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is desperately sick. Do come and lay hands on her to make her better and save her life. Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed him. They were pressing all round him. Now there was a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for twelve years. After long and painful treatment under various doctors, she spent all she had without being any the better for it. In fact, she was getting worse. She had heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his cloak. If I can touch even his clothes, she had told herself, I shall be well again. And the source of the bleeding dried up instantly, and she felt in herself that she was cured of her complaint. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned round in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see how the crowd is pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he continued to look all round to see who had done it. Then the woman came forward frightened and trembling because she knew what had happened to her, and she fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. My daughter, he said, your faith has restored you to health. Go in peace and be free from your complaint. While he was still speaking, some people arrived from the house of the synagogue official to say, Your daughter is dead. Why put the master to any further trouble? But Jesus had overheard this remark of theirs, and he said to the official, Do not be afraid. Only have faith. And he allowed no one to go with him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So they came to the official's house, and Jesus noticed all the commotion, with people weeping and wailing unrestrainedly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and crying? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. So he turned them all out, and taking with him the child's father and mother and his own companions, he went into the place where the child lay. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I tell you to get up. The little girl got up at once and began to walk about for she was twelve years old. This they were overcome with astonishment, and he ordered them strictly not to let anyone know about it, and told them to give her something to eat. There's an enduring fascination with people who get very close to big wild animals. When I was young, it was Grizzly Adams who hung out with bears. More recently, there was a Netflix documentary on the Tiger King, and it's not uncommon for the lives of such people to end in tragedy. I remember being captivated by the Werner Herzog documentary Grizzly Man about Timothy Treadwell. Towards the end, although you do not hear it, you watch Herzog listening to the mauling to death by Tread of Treadwell and his girlfriend by a bear, footage captured on Treadwell's own equipment. It's chilling. We're fascinated by the big wild animals. They're always the star attractions at a zoo. I think we feel threatened and yet also desperately want to come close. 
I think a part of watching the documentaries about those who get too close is that there's a certain part of us that wants to do the same. It's something similar, but not quite the same with Aslan in Narnia. We hear Mr. Beaver say to the uh, Pevensey children, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And then later in the last book of the series, The Last Battle, we hear, but amid all these rejoicings, Aslan himself quietly slipped away. And when the kings and queens noticed that he wasn't there, they said nothing about it. But Mr. Beaver had warned them. You'll be coming and going, he had said. One day you'll see him and another you won't. He doesn't like being tired down. And of course, he has other countries to attend to. It's quite all right. He'll often drop in. Only you mustn't press him. He's wild, you know. Not like a tame lion. And that Jesus is not tame came to me as I read today's gospel. Now, people often emphasize that Jesus is not tame for reasons that I fully agree with. They want to rail against this turning of Jesus into my blankie, the comfort blanket that's used to say, there, there, never mind, whatever I do. They want to avoid the reducing of Jesus to the constant voice of affirmation, like that is, whatever you do, I'm there for you. I support you if you want it. Because this turns Jesus into an idol. Essentially, God becomes the mirror image of my desires. But Jesus is supposed to transform them. There's a danger, though, with this line of emphasis, because it can give the impression that our principal emotion with respect to Jesus should be fear rather than love. But what we do see today in the gospel is the pure, wild, unbridled nature of Jesus, just like those animals whose natures would not be restrained by those who thought they had tamed them. The pure life force of Jesus comes pouring out upon this woman with the hemorrhage with her touch of faith. There is no personal encounter, no preamble to her healing. This woman, a double exile due to her bleeding and according to some seemingly not being Jewish, so a woman doubly characterized as dead by religion and her ailment. She touches the sheer life force that is Christ, and even he doesn't seem fully aware of what is going on. The power simply goes out of him. No, Jesus is not tame, but his nature is good. <laughs>